Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun. And everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka. Bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, my visionary friends. Thank you for joining us once again on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading experts, bringing evolutionary solutions to today's unique challenges. You are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. So take notes, sit back, and enjoy. This hour, we'll consider the mysterious fluid nature of time. Most people don't give time much thought, yet it drives every aspect of our lives. Everyone is subject to schedules and deadlines, all relating to time. Time is an interesting concept when we look deeper into its nature. In its most simplistic form is the mathematical mapping of where the sun shines on the Earth's surface as she spins in space. Mostly we view time as set and linear. Never mind, we can change it through agreements such as daylight savings. Throughout the ages, there are myths and legends of disciplines that purportedly can manipulate time, such as shamanic practices that can heal the past and impact the future, or meditative practices 
whereby the practitioner can propel their consciousness into the past or future and so on. There are ancient indigenous prophecies stating that during the age we are now in, time will shorten. Is time only set because we believe it is? Does it shift and change, jump backward and forward without our noticing? Can time be manipulated or controlled? Given that time has so much control over us, what if someone can control time? As we evolve, can we indeed become masters of time rather than subject to it? With us this hour to explore these important questions is Von Brashler, an award-winning journalist and former faculty member at Omega Institute. Vaughn has led workshops throughout the United States and United Kingdom. A lifetime member of the Theosophical Society, he has the author of several books, including Seven Secrets of Time, Travel, and his latest, Time Shifts. You can find Vaughn on his Facebook page, facebook.com slash B-B-R-A-S-C-H-L-E-R. Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us on Mission Evolution. Thank you, Gwilda. It's great to be with you today. So we have uh, some interesting things to, to look at about time. Let's start out with what's your educational background? How'd you end up here? Well, um, yes. Um, so I had a background in newspaper, and I worked a little bit in uh, in, in radio, in, in uh, the news side. I worked a little bit in television on the camera side. And um, my background is that I studied communication at the University of Washington, always figuring to be a journalist. And I maintain that I'm still a journalist. I'm just telling stories. I'm, report, I'm interviewing people. I'm reporting what I, what I what see and, and, and learn. Um, I'm certainly not an expert. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a, a yoga master. I'm not a shaman. Uh, I just um, report what, uh, what I've discovered. And um, in that sense, uh, I write about things. So um, I had a, a certain series of odd events in my life, if I may, that brought me here. Uh, one day when I went outside to pick up my morning newspaper when I lived on Mount Hood in Oregon, I found not my newspaper, but a book with the cover removed. And it turned out to be a book by Jeffrey Hodson, who was a New Zealand minister, and it was called A Call to the Heights. And I just read it and read it and read it like three times. And I said, who are these people? <laughs> who are these esoteric people? How do they know these things? You know, there were correspondences in there and everything. And it's like, whoa. So then I got on a plane and I started going uh, um, to the East Coast. I lived in, in, in Oregon. And my job was to set up newspaper columns in different newspapers and also to work book deals, uh, partnerships with different magazine publishers. And so I would travel coast to coast, and we would invariably stop to pick on new, uh, pick up new passengers in Minneapolis. On one of these trips, a young lady who was dressed like a flight attendant walked up to me, and she was wearing this big purple crystal, amethyst crystal. She walks up to me, and she says, um, I uh, need you to move to another seat. And I said, oh, no, what have I done? She said, no, no. She puts me in the back seat where she's sitting. She comes back later and she says, I've changed your meal card. That's when we used to get meals. Remember then? That was a while ago. That yes. was a while. Yeah. And she says, uh, 
your diet's all wrong. She said, I'm putting you on a fruit platter. I said, okay, thank you. I thought, that sounds good. Am I going to get watermelon? That's what I'm thinking. Am I going to get watermelon? So she comes back later on. She says, I, I need to sit and talk with you for a minute. I said, okay. I said, where is this going? I mean, she's a pretty cute gal, and I'm not a cute guy. So what's the deal here? So she sits down, and she says, now, when you get to Minneapolis, I want you to call me to start your training. You, I'm going to train you in all aspects of yoga. I said, excuse me? She said, I'm going to train you in all aspects of yoga. Do you know what that is? I said, you know, the stretching exercises. She said, well, yes, in the beginning, there's more to it than that. And she hands me a card, and on the front it says her name, which was Carol, and I won't say her last name. And it said flight attendant in the name of the airlines. And I said, okay, you're a flight attendant. She said, turn the card over. I turned it over, and it said, Colleen different first name, same last name, said yoga instructor in her phone number. She said, call that number when you get to Minneapolis. And I said, well, okay, Carol Colleen, but uh, here's the thing. I don't actually live in Minneapolis. I have no plans to ever go to Minneapolis. I've never been to Minneapolis. I think I got off and stretched my legs once when the plane stopped there briefly. She said, okay, but when you do get to Minneapolis, you give me a call, right? Promise. So I got back from that trip and I go back to my office in Portland and the, one of the two owners of the company flies in from Detroit and he meets us early in the morning and he says, all right, staff, he says, I know this is a bit of, of a surprise, but I'm talking with my partner over the weekend and we've just now decided we're going to move the company to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Whoa. And I said, whoa. She, he said, well, indeed, it's a big move. And he says, and furthermore, everyone needs to move. If you're not able to move, unwilling to move, and uh, that's okay, but I'll, I'll have to lay you off at some point. I was the only one of 37 people that moved. And oh, I, gave, I gave up my cats, my home, my friends, my beloved Mount Hood, and, uh, and I left. And I thought... I guess I'm supposed to go to Minneapolis. So I get there and I'm thinking like, Minneapolis. And I pay, I look at my wallet and here's this card from this stewardess, this flight attendant. And I call her and she says, hello, Carol Colleen. She said, Vaughn, is that you? Whoa. So she and recognized I, you even, it was just a short yeah. flight. Yeah. So she trains me. So 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 I say, well, you know, are, are you going to like uh, put me... Um, in a, in a class and do stretching exercises. She says, there again with the stretching exercises, she said, I think you're going to be surprised, happily surprised. So she says, no, you will start whenever you like. I said, well, what, what days of the week are, can you do it? Can you only work nights? She said, you pick a time and I'll be there. And I said, now are these group instructions or private instructions? She said, once again, you, you decide what you want. I said, well, do I pay you or or are you offering these free? She said, it doesn't matter, you decide. So we started and she said, okay, I will give you some of your, your postures to begin with, you know. And she said, we'll do some Hatha yoga to warm you up. She says, this is to prepare you for what comes next. So, now, so now let me get this straight. You yeah. met this gal once on an once. airline. Yeah. And how, lo how lo much longer was it before you called her? Maybe, uh, a month or two, 
and she recognized you on the phone right away. Yeah, it's very suspicious. It gets even more bizarre because then then she starts training me in all these really difficult um, levels of, of, of yoga. You know, uh, I breath of fire, I passed out. And when I passed out, she slapped me on the cheek. She says, tell me what you saw. And I said, I saw darkness. I was passed out. She said, you wasted a perfectly good opportunity. <laughs> so so um, she she eventually, you know, takes me out and we go do home parties and, 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 and we we uh, she gets into healing. She takes me all the way up to Raja Yoga, which is wisdom yoga, which is what I write about now. Raja Yoga, yoga of consciousness, higher consciousness. And so, so how does how does this get us back to time? Get back to time. Gets back to time because because um, right after she left, and she said, "Well, uh, uh, I'm going to leave you now with some people, and they're called Theosophists, and they'll work with you." And you just follow wherever they take you. These are your people now. And I'm moving to uh, New Mexico to start a uh, yoga retreat. And I have to tell you, I never, ever saw Carol Colleen go to the airport. <laughs> ever. So the next thing I do, I'm going to a theosophical meeting. And I, and I come so, late. So you're saying as a flight attendant, she never went to the airport? Yes. Yes. Hmm. Yes, yes. Okay. So I had a lot of these encounters in my life. So I think that life is full of serendipity, if you will. But let's call it meaningful coincidence or synchronicity. So so I, I go into one of my first uh, theosophical uh, um, presentations, and I'm walking in, and there's a man there from India, an Indian sage called Krishnamurthy. Not Krishnamurthy, but Krishnamurthy. He's also famous. And he's talking about meditation. And he says, there are any questions at this point? And, and I walked in, he said, and I said, I realize I came in late. Maybe you've talked about this, but I want to talk to you about time shifts. And he looked at me and he said, you did arrive late. I've been talking about time shifts. It's called meditation. It's called getting high into a higher consciousness. He said, if you want to get beyond the here and now, in this little spot where you're now focused, you must learn to raise your uh, conscious awareness in deep meditation to leave the body. He said, got that? I said, yes, sir. He said, do you? I said, yes. He said, we'll see. So four books later on the subject of time, I think I'm getting closer. I think I'm getting closer. I know now that, that time is, is not just the here and now. This is just what we're focused on. This is a matter of our our perception at the moment. We can only we can only look at one thing at a time. We're very limited. We're very linear. We rely on five physical senses, three dimensions, and 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 that just kind of limits what we can see. We think of the world as fixed and solid and physical, but in fact, everything is energy in motion. And the world we live in, the physical universe, is actually manifest energy at, at a slightly slowed down or relaxed state, but still in motion, still energy, and still filled with potential. And so I see now that time is like a conveyor belt. belt. It's like getting on a bus. You can get on at any time and go wherever you want. It's a matter of shifting your perception into heightened consciousness. 
So um, we're about out of time in, in this segment, and thank you very much for bringing us up to date on how you got here. Um, when we enter the next segment, I'd really like to get into the nature of time and how we misunderstand it and how that misunderstanding has us trapped in time. Are you yep. game? I'm game. All right. All right. Wonderful. So this um, will be an interesting discussion on the other side of a commercial break. Vaughn and I will return. So please don't go away. This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. You stay right there. There is plenty of time. genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas. To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called micro laser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now you can save $250. The results are life changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Hello again, this is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. To our faithful and thoughtful audience, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about the fluid nature of time? Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can share them on the next show. This in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled, The Power to Change Your Genetics. Gigi shares, this episode has opened my mind to a whole new world of possibilities as to who I can be and what I can accomplish. Thank you so much for bringing Dr. Pelletier on the show. Thanks, Gigi. As Dr. Pelletier so eloquently pointed out, the field of epigenetics is indeed a fascinating one full of possibilities for an evolutionary future. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org, listen to the episode entitled The Power to Change Your Genetics, and let us know what you think. Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can all share them on the next show. With us this hour discussing unexpected shifts in time is Vaughn Brashler. You can find Vaughn on his Facebook page, facebook.com slash vbrashler dot, well, just vbrashler. Vaughn, we were just getting into the nature of time and um, how 
the way we view it is pretty limited compared to all that is. How would you quickly define time? Well, time is, is as we normally perceive it, is, is, is a measurement of change. When change occurs, uh, time, we say, has, has passed. And uh, at the outset, you talked about the solar time. Solar time is the way we recognize time. So I would suggest to all your listeners that actually we've all experienced different different times. We all live in different time zones. We all the sun rises and sets in different places. And as the sun strikes us, that is kind of the now moment. Uh, the the sunlight actually activates all, initializes all, and, and, and drives and sustains all of life, if you think about it. And, and, and from a mystical point of view, when light descends from the heavens above, then it actually becomes um, something that we can process and absorb and, and, and transfer uh, as, as living creatures, as all living creatures do. And we, another way of looking at light is, is intelligent consciousness or intelligent energy. So well, the, the, um, there was this experiment done. Um, there were people in the space station and they were having this rare event of a massive solar flare. And so they set up all sorts of experiments. And we used to think radioactive decay was a fixed number, except that in the space station, when in the middle of the solar flare, when, when the ambient frequency rose because of the flare, the decay um, slowed way down. Um, and that, in effect, is a slowing of time, isn't it? Yes, it is. And, and, and so uh, it, it is a matter of, of measuring uh, uh, vibrational energy. So if, indeed, the, a solar flare can change the way time passes, it's not fixed at all, is it? No, time is not fixed. It, it, it's really, time is really, from our perspective, uh, convenience, a way of measuring things. Uh, it, we'll say, I'll meet you at lunch at high noon. We'll, uh, we'll get together on the back deck and chat at 6 p.m. We'll all go to work at 8 a.m., well, all you know, like that. So, so this is just convenience. But really, I don't even wear a watch because I know that time doesn't exist. Now, it doesn't exist in the sense that we think it does. It's just, it, it's just a convenience. I mean, there's all the time in the world, literally. I mean, there's all the time in the universe uh, at, at our disposal if we know how to to get on this conveyor belt or this time loop and move forward, forward or backward in time. This is simply where we focused. So our, our lives are run by intention. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. So if we've gone along through our life, um, time is running along like we would expect it to, and suddenly something makes us totally change our intention, does that indeed change the timeline we're on? Our intention. Attention. Or, or, or attention. Intention. 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 I don't think that you're, well, I don't know. I, I would, it would be hard, be hard pressed to think how, how intention affects our timeline, except that, except that if you intend to, to move forward or backward in the, in, in the timeline, 
that would be a matter of conscious intent. How about if you consciously intend to have a different outcome that isn't oh. on the timeline that you're on? Yeah, of course. Uh, you can you can visualize. And so the exercises that I set up, and they're, they're drawn from shamanic, you know, um, experiences, and they're drawn from yoga experiences. There, it, it's all setting up uh, visualization, creative visualization. And then you're actually visualizing where you want to go, what you want to see, and you're intending to be in that place in that time with those circumstances. And then, boom, you're there. How can you tell, um, just, you know, objectively <laughs> or subjectively, how can you tell when one of those shifts has happened? Yeah. Okay. That's a really good question. Now, a lot of people probably have time shifts all the time or time slips as they're often called and they don't realize it. You know, they say, oh, it's, it was a daydream or I was having some kind of a vision or it was just a flight of fancy or some creative imagination. It couldn't have happened. So there's, there's very little, uh, uh, um, way to to establish the credibility of these things. There's no collaboration. It's purely anecdotal. But here, if you think that there's nothing in your memory, your conscious memory of this lifetime, uh, that would, would substantiate what you've seen and observed, then where did it come from? I mean, it's like like Sherlock Holmes. You know, you, you, you eliminate everything and then it has to be what you haven't eliminated. So, so, so a lot of people will say, well, now I must have read about that, or I saw it in a movie, or somebody told me about it, or I've seen it before and simply forgot. You know, I mean, this brings up deja vu, doesn't it? Yeah, I was going to say, we're, we're dancing in the deja vu era, aren't we? We and are. With, with deja vu, I know personally, I get really strong ones. And I have at times turned to somebody next to me and said, this and this and this is going to follow. This is what's going to happen next. I mean, it's that accurate. What's going on there? Yes. So in my book, Time Shifts, I, I look at deja vu and then I expand it to like, you meet somebody and you, you just feel like you know this person and you talk endlessly about where you could have met or how you might have met or you've seen each other or no, no. Uh, were you ever on television and I watched you? No. I mean, it's like, so you eliminate all that. And then, then there's a situation where you walk into a room or, or, or a setting and you say, my goodness, this looks so familiar, but I know I've never been here before. So then you have to start eliminating. Did I read about it? Did I see a movie about it? Did somebody tell me about it? You know, so, you know, then you realize, oh my gosh, this is deja vu. So also experiences that I've had and some of my students have had, when you really start working with consciousness, okay, um, there can be times when you get very disoriented. You kind of look around you and you go, where am I? When am I really is the question, isn't it? What's going on there? Yeah, you can lose yourself because um, we're kind of fixed on our physical nature. You know, we like to be we like to be inside our bodies. And so I always tell people, if you're going to do this, and I do advocate a deep active meditation where you go outside your body, like they do in Samadhi mysticism or the way uh, skinwalkers do in the shamanic tradition, you have to be grounded. You have to be in a safe place. It has to be quiet. You have to be protected. You have to, you have to safeguard the body so that you don't feel... Um, 
uh, fearful, you know, and that's important too. How much of it is in our interpretation? It's like we could be having one of these experiences, just, yeah, it's just a deja vu, maybe I dreamt it last night, and we go on about our business. Are we missing an opportunity for information and guidance based on our intentions? Well, this is it. I always advocate that people, when they, they're into something that's very informative and revealing for them, you're seeing it for a real reason. You know, it's, it's, it's to uh, enlighten you. So then you want to return. And you can also set this up, up by the way, in, in, in addition to uh, waking meditations, you can also set it up as uh, lucid dreaming, or you can actually program your dreams before you go to sleep. I mean, the ancients did this all the time. They call them um, induced dreaming dream temples. And, and you can learn in, in, from these experiences. And so return again and again and again, because it's so important. If life is a long journey of discovery, then you, you, you need to look backward at where you've been to, to understand where you are today. Why are you here? You, you know, how do you fit in the scheme of things? What, what is your purpose? What is your mission? But as we start getting more mobile in time um, and jumping timelines or doing the time slip thing based on our intention, is it harder to keep track? And do we change as a result of living a different experience versus staying on the same timeline? You, you will become a different person and you'll, you'll probably find yourself somewhere along there and, and, and you'll, you'll discover that you're actually simultaneously living more than one life at a time because, because everything flows past, present, future simultaneously. It's one continuous time loop, you know, one time loop, not time loops, plural. So it's just a matter of where you choose to jump on and where you choose to jump off. So we're talking circles instead of a straight line. Isn't that one of our first mistakes is viewing yeah. time as a straight line? Absolutely. From a mystic's point of view, and I think science is catching up to this, it's all circles, circles within circles. Well, that's the way everything works in the universe, right? Everything right. spins around itself and around everything else. No so why do line. we think we can get away with a straight line? <laughs> no straight line. So I always tell people, if you're going to be on a journey of discovery... Think about the, the, the fool, the fool uh, on the, uh, the arc of a, of, of a hero's journey. And, and the fool starts walking toward the horizon line, but never reaches the destination because you keep walking and walking and walking. And you, you make a complete circle, go around the world, come back, and there you are. You find yourself back again, home, the arc of the hero's journey. And let's talk a little bit, we're about out of time in this segment, but let's talk a little bit about um, our an intention as we, you know, we're heading towards this pot of gold and, it, and we never reach it, but we're still viewing life as a straight line. How much are we missing when we don't recognize the circular aspect of it? Oh, a whole lot. You know, uh, there, there is no starting point, midpoint and end point. You know, this is the, the sad thing. People tend to want to measure things. We think we can measure everything. We're like little bugs caught in a spider web. We think if we shake enough and count all the spider webs around us, we're somehow in control. Really, um, it's um, much more complicated than that. You know, it, it, it's, it, there's infinite potential here. It's amazing, though, is that, that trying to be in control by maintaining the view of it being linear, 
uh, past, present, future, that puts us out of control ultimately, doesn't it? It does. So you, you, you sit there and you measure. You, we live inside little boxes, right? Like Plato's allegory of the cave. And it's like, oh, we can measure side to side and up and down and how deep it is. But we don't know anything of what's outside this box we live in. This is really sad. So you look at people like Uspensky, who is a colleague of, um, of Gurdjieff, and he said in Tertium Organum, he said, you actually use, need to use meditation to get outside the box. We are boxed in. Well, we'll have to look at that box and how to get out of it on the other side of yet another commercial break. It is time for that quick pause. Vaughn and I will return shortly to our discussion, so don't don't you go anywhere. This is Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire leading-edge, information-packed past episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. To find out more about me, Wilda Wiecka, and the other things I offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. Our guest this hour is Vaughn Brashler. We're speaking about shifting timelines. You can find more about Vaughn on his Facebook page, facebook.com slash vbrashler. Vaughn, we were just starting to get into the interesting aspects. Well, time is very interesting all the way around. But let's talk a little bit about the present moment. It seems like all of um, the traditions, the ancient traditions, have many things in common. But one of them is this um, adherence to the fact that you need to be present to shift time. You need to be present to access information. You need to be present, really, to be um, alive and aware of your um, aliveness. So what is the present time versus timelines? Well, thank you for that distinction, because I think a lot of people, they, they stop there, and they live in the eternal now. And the eternal now is really timelessness. It is not like now. This is one now, and in a second is another now, and another now, and they're all equal. Um, so I think it's a starting point, isn't it? You, ha- you have to actually stop the world, as Castaneda said, stop the world, and then you have to slow it down. And one of the exercises I always have people do in the beginning is look at a clock and stop the uh, second hand. It's just your perception. You're not going to stop anybody else's time. And once you can can reach this now, this moment, this present moment, you can realize the infinite potential to jump off there because you've, you've, you've stopped the, the wild spinning craziness of, of, of time out of control or the perception of time out of control. You've actually learned how to, how to stop the world around you 
and you've you've learned to uh, reach now and from now is a jumping off point you can go forward or backward in time anywhere you want so this brings up another experience that I've had, and I've heard of a lot of other people that have had them. Um, when you're in a very traumatic accident, yeah. um, or you're skiing down a slope and all of a sudden you're out of control and you know you've got to hit that next mogul right or you're done, mm-hmm. all of a sudden it's like you'll go slow-mo. Everything will slow way down, and you can shift or turn because you have plenty of time to do it. And yet you're going, you know, 75 mile an hour, 80 mile an hour, trying to avoid an accident or trying to hit a mogul right. What's going on there? And does that change for others or just the person perceiving it? Just the person perceiving it. You know, you're perceiving time on a very individualized level. And I think a lot of people have this experience when there's an accident. Let's say there's a fire or there's a car accident, or, or there's some emergency where um, you, you, need to, you need to actually expand the present moment. You need to like slow it all down so that every second counts a long, long time. I mean, I've had this experience myself in a car accident, and it's like I had very little time to make decisions, and yet I was able to slow it all down. This is just a matter of personal awareness or let's say perception but but awareness is really a better term because because I think what happens in in a moment like that is we see a, a shift a consciousness shift within ourselves and and this is this is what's shifting you know the physical you is saying oh my gosh I think it's curtains for me this is really really dangerous and so the the, the internal you, the, the self within, that your true self, your spirit, your soul, your higher consciousness, your eternal life force, this part of you that knows everything and has been everywhere, and, and, and it says, well, look, I'm going to take control now. I'm going to shift your consciousness. We're shifting now. Shift. You know, it's like you don't need to set it up, uh, set up, uh, a meditation, you, you know, it, it just happens. That part in you that's your eternal spirit just takes control. And yet, it, it happens. Yet you say that um, it doesn't take place in the physical world. It's a matter of perception. However, mm-hmm. I've experienced in uh, a time when time slowed down uh, for me in a, in a traumatic experience, and I was able to physically do things that I would not have been able to do in the normal amount of time that was there. Right. Um, sna- snatch a falling baby kind of thing. Right, 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 right. And people around me witnessed that. How did you do that? First the child was falling, and then you were holding it. And they didn't see the, the, the happening in between. What's going on there? Yeah, what, ha- what happens is, 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 that, is, is that you've actually shifted your consciousness to where you can now move freely in time. You can actually stretch time or condense time on a physical level. And, and, and this is really amazing. I mean, since, since I've had these odd experiences like the car crash and all that, and, 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 and where I suddenly found myself at home when I was very, very sick, is I've learned to actually kind of slip in and out of these things, you know, so that sometimes when I have very little time to do something, uh, I, I can do it in, in like 20 hours of work in like three hours. And it's like, I can't really explain that because it's, it's like, it's non-ordinary reality. 
And we are capable of stretching or shortening time Mm -hmm. in the physical Mm -hmm. if we're able to master our relationship to non-ordinary reality. Yes. So, so, so the beauty of this is that when you've had these experiences and you become accustomed to it, it's kind of like riding the bicycle, right? So you, you, you become adept at it to a degree to where you can, even in your physical life, shift in and out as needed into these um, altered um, uh, perceptions of, of, of reality, you know, where, where time is like almost meaningless. So if we go back to where we started in time here on this on this episode, um, we were talking about the power that a person would have over the world and the people in it if they were time masters, if they were indeed in control of time. Could you speak to that a little bit? What would that look like? Okay, people always want to know if you can go back and shoot Hitler or you can save your grandmother from a terrible moment in her life. Or you you can go forward in time and and and, and save yourself if need be, in in a sense that's kind of um, wishful thinking, because I, I I remind you of this that when you when you go forward or backward in time, generally speaking, we're doing this in a non-physical reality. That is to say, your energy body is moving forward or backward. To be more exact, it's your energized consciousness that's moving forward or backward in time. Consequently, you'll have a form. So people have popped in and out of, 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 of odd time uh, lines, let's say. I shouldn't say timelines, but a different point in the, t- the timeline. And they'll say, well, you just popped in and you popped out. You know, and yet they could perceive you because you have something like a, 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 a form. And, and we have to remember that consciousness and thought forms have, have actually form and they have color. And um, very often you're looking at an etheric body. So that really explains a lot about ghosts and ghost hunting and uh, everything else, doesn't it? We are the ghosts yes. we seek. That's right. So I, it's, it's, after two books on ghosts, I've changed my whole idea that we're very often not looking at the remnants of somebody, but we're, but we're looking at a, ghost, a ghostly specter as we normally think of it. But we're actually looking at somebody whose past timeline is now converging with ours momentarily. Or who is bilocating. There's yeah. um, a, a huge number of practices that deal in bilocation, that deal in, um, well, let's just, just touch into shamanism for a moment. Sure. Some of the basic uh, principles of shamanic healing soul, is soul retrieval. And soul retrieval, by its very nature, is the practitioner goes back in time, finds where a person is disconnected from part of themselves that's now impacting their current life, Retrieve the frequency of that and bring it back to the person. So basically, your shaman is a time master, and they're going back in time, but changing the present and the future in so doing. How does that work? Yes, so we have a long tradition in in, in shamanism of of time masters, and uh, the shaman will typically go back in in time to meet with, say, the ancestors or to to view uh, conditions uh, and they listen. They go as a witness. They don't go to interact. They don't. They don't have arms and legs. They're not physically there, but they're going there in a let's say a, an energy body. And 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 it's true too that the shaman can go forward in time um, to see what the land is going to be like, what what awaits 
his people, and he comes back as the perfect witness and describes what he's seen uh, with great insight. But isn't that also um, what the land is going to be like if we don't change direction? Yes, you brought up a, a very good point, and we're back to our old friend intention. Because, you know, these three fates in Greek lore, they're always spinning the loom and, and grabbing everybody's timeline. And but you also are going to live the life. And there's lots of things that are variables. There's lots of ripples in the pond. Remember, you throw one little pebble into a huge pond and it changes everything, ripples everywhere. So, you know, I always remind people who are interested in astrology or numerology or any kind of thing like that, that, that you can't accurately forecast the future. Psychics can't, even people who have great uh, premonitions, you know, they, they can't always accurately predict the future because this is really the way energy is shaping up to develop a probable uh, future reality. But there are many variables along the way. And we even have the observer effect within that. So yes. just the fact of observing what's about to take form can possibly alter it. Yes, the observer changes everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, the where we have been in that we think of time as a straight line and everything is predestined has really, really crippled us and made us subject to people that say they can read the future. They tell us what's going to happen and then we make that happen because that's what we believe. Is that what's going on in that one? Well, yes, group thought is a big part of it. <laughs> group uh, thought and group beliefs and then group uh, energy and then and then you actually have mass consciousness going in a certain direction and that creates an energy wave into into creating a certain kind of reality but something can always change it so when we're looking at group i'm glad you brought up group we have a little time to look at it when you're when you're going into to group consciousness it tends to have more momentum than individual consciousness. Is there a way, if an individual chooses not to be part, go along for the ride, that they can override the tendency to be swept away by the group? Well, I suppose it's the, the a pebble in, in the pond ripple effect. But I always think of like things like the Maharishi effect. The Maharishi Yoga said that you could change the world if you had enough people meditating to bring about a better world. And, and that's actually been been tested in different communities uh, and, and you don't need, you know, 10% of the people or 1% of the people. You could just have a, a representative sample of people sending out their, their conscious thoughts and create a visualization and their intent. And, and but yes, uh, you, it could be changed. So we also have, we have thought forms, group thought forms that are, are negative, let's say. And, 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 and I, for example, like um, uh, the, the Nazi movement, you know, one dictator gets up and he gives impassioned speeches, stirs up a crowd. But, but if, if, if it doesn't create something useful and constructive and lasting in the world, if, it's, if it creates disharmony in the world, the world loves circles, not... Now, circles are a very important part, and we will uh, be looking at circles and the Mandela effect on the other side of a commercial break. But we do need to take that break. Vaughn and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion, so please don't go away.
This is Mission Evolution coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or guest that you think would be of interest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. To find out more about me, Gwilda Wiyaka, my school, and other evolutionary tools we offer, visit www.findyourpathhome.com. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Von Brashler. For more information about Vaughn, visit his Facebook page, facebook.com slash vbrashler. Vaughn, we were, as promised, going to go into the Mandela Effect. Now, are you familiar with the Mandela Effect? Oh, yes. Uh, people perceive Mandela, I think, dying or being in prison or something. And it was a mass uh, belief that didn't seem to match up with history. So I, I guess I understand the concept. Um, where where people, um, several groups of people have um, a memory, a very clear memory yep. of an event, but it's a different memory. Does this relate to uh, timelines and where well, we well, happen to be in the continuum? Well, well it very well could. Um, it, it, it could could sig- signify that we've, we've, we're all kind of like uh, seeing a different reality out there at uh, a, a parallel reality. I mean, we have to be conscious of the fact there are parallel realities and parallel universes everywhere around us. Not everybody taps into it, but a certain number of people do. But th- there are all kinds of variables to this, you know, like there's also like um, the urban legend, like you hear the Manhattan uh, Project, you know, was actually a confusion of um, of, of, of a ship that was actually tied up to the, 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 the vessel in question. It was a Navy ship tied up to that boat at the pier, and, and it was uh, uh, involved in an experiment at the time by the Navy to make the boat possibly invisible. The early cloaking device, way, way before the Klingons, right? So, well, they they tried to make this boat invisible. And so, and, was was that the Philadelphia experiment? The Phil- Philadelphia experiment. Ah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Philadelphia experiment. So, so, so they, I think sometimes you know these things get actually involved in um, in urban legends. People say, oh yeah, that happened, and then people think about it and they talk about it, and but but there's also you know various ways of remembering things that we may be remembering from another timeline, another probable timeline that's uh, uh, parallel to ours. Well, seeing as how this show is about evolution, and we've um, spent three segments uh, really covering fascinating 
aspects of time and how it's not like we've thought. How can we use these new concepts, uh, actually ancient concepts, to evolve as individuals and as a people? How can we use the fluid nature of time to make a better tomorrow? I see everybody as is on the arc of a hero's journey, whether you realize it or not, you're 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 going through your own life adventure, and you're going to be called to certain challenges and and certainly to new discoveries and insights. And hopefully you'll be transformed in the journey before you return and return and return as people tend to do in reincarnation. Along that way, we need to develop insight. We need to be tested. We need to see things that other people don't see. We need to actually get on a path of discovery and you can't just sit in one place, in one time, in one place, and expect to learn. There's so much more. We need to know. We need to go back, backward in time to discover who we are, and how we got here, and the things that impacted our life. We need to find out the people that are around us and, and what they've experienced. We need to go forward to see what awaits us. There is so much to be discovered. I think that the uh, the planet is on that path of discovery right now, too, don't you? It is. It is. And so the planet is actually alive. And and it is like, we're like, think of us as like cells within the planet. And, and so we're just a part of the planet. Everything is interrelated, interdependent. This we know. So, so. As, as every cell in, in a body is, is knowledgeable about every other soul, every life form on this planet is somehow aware of each other life form on this planet. We're all interrelated. And this planet is evolving. With it, with it we are evolving. There's um, a lot of myths and legends about this time uh, that say that time will be shortened. Um, and I don't mean the time we're going to be here, but there'll be a lot more going on in in each moment um, that the frequency will be raising, that things, all the rules will change. And indeed, we are seeing evidence of this. Is this part of the evolution that you're talking about? Everything's speeding up. Everything is speeding up. Uh, yes, we're living quicker and moments are just zipping by. And once again, it's a matter of our personal perception, but it seems to be a shared personal perception that everything is moving quicker. We know that the, the there's actually a, a, like a second or so uh, shortened in every year that the world exists now, where, where things are 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 moving moving at a different speed. Um, we're experiencing things differently. Uh, this is very true. So if everything works in circles, and this shortening of time was um, mapped and explained actually by the Mayan calendar, among other um, uh, scriptures and whatnot, but if everything moves in a circle, are we going to then come full circle and slow back down? Well, we're going to evolve. You know, everyone is so worried about what's going to happen to the world, and, and I certainly am. I hope that it survives, how it survives us. But, you know, nothing is ever really destroyed. If everything is energy, everything will continue and, and, and start a new, a new circle, a new orbit. <clears throat> so so it, it'll be with us. I mean, we, we, might, we might actually live our, our future lives on a different planet or, or in, in a different reality. You know, it, 
all that we really are is an eternal life force. You know, all we are is really spirit encased in a body that will eventually have its time limit, an expiration date on every one of our foreheads, like cans in a supermarket, and, and our bodies will eventually time out. But not so us. Our consciousness, our life form, force, our eternal spirit will continue. So we speak about past lives, but then you tell me that time doesn't exist. Do we sometimes experience past lives, think of it as a past life, when it's actually a future? Well, it's possible. It's possible. It, it, it's hard to. I mean, it's all interrelated, right? <clears throat> so so we probably do go in circles. Our lives probably go in circles. People who probably haven't figured out exactly why they're here, what they're doing, which is like most of us, right? We're, we're probably going in circles. So our future is like our past. It's very hard to just determine whether you're going into the past or into the future. I mean, I try to set up exercises where people can focus on going into their past or, or deeply into their past or into their immediate, immediate future or the distant future. But it's really, it's really hard to determine where it goes because your, your spirit, once it's free and it longs to be free and leave your body and explore and grow, uh, it, it goes where it wants to go. It longs for this freedom of discovery and insight. It seems to know more than we do. Yes. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. We need somebody knowing more than we do. So as individuals, it sounds like the, you're drawing on a lot of the ancient principles to um, create tools for the individual today to move back and forth in time and get the lessons um, intentionally rather than spontaneously. Where are you drawing from? What practices are you using? My Bible is the uh, Yoga Sutra of Patanjali. It is a guidebook for a higher consciousness. It is it is the wisdom tradition of yoga. So the, the first part of Yoga Sutras is like, well, kind of basic yoga. What is it? In the middle part is on mysticism, and there are exercises you can follow. In the, in the third part of the book, is is on magic and so i mean i'm involved with magic by at magic i mean transformation using energy to form something new so like this, alchemy alchemy or mm -hmm. if you will heightened consciousness heightened consciousness that's 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 the the end all know all really isn't it that's where the conversation started and that's where we're going with it is evolving to a higher state of consciousness what tools that are time-related, would you advise the individual to pick up, learn, use, to uh, participate in their own evolution at this time in history? Tools? What do you mean by tools? Well, we have meditation. There's various oh, things. Oh, yeah, oh, like oh. That. Mm -hmm. Meditation. I always say meditation. So the, the, the one constant in all this, whether you're talking about shamans, bodhisattvas, yoga masters, the people in, in ancient Chaldean, Egyptian, Greek circles who had these dream temples, they all uh, established uh, meditation, deep, deep meditation, every one of them. I mean, can't the shamanic trance almost be seen as a deep meditation, although there are differences? Yes, it's essentially that. How yeah. about our dreamscape? Can we use our dreamscape at this time? 
Yes, and it's the easiest way for most people to learn, uh, to explore your heightened consciousness, your greater awareness, and also time shift. It is, it is, a, it is, it is the way that, that in the yoga tradition known as samadhi mysticism, the samadhis would train their novices first to have controlled dreaming, to go into deep trance-like dreams where they seem to experience time and place, uh, out of time, uh, timelessness, uh, uh, leaving the body. It's it's fascinating to me that we spend so much time asleep and dreaming where we aren't restricted to linear time, and yet we only give credence to the time we're awake and are uh, dancing in the illusion of linear time. So being able to access our dreams and start working in that nonlinear fashion that we all experience but we ignore, which is very strange, do you see that as a, as a tool for evolution? Absolutely. So I highly recommend that people begin to program their dreams and, and set up lucid dreaming because it's very informative and you can actually go anywhere in time and in space and, and have insightful dreams. Um, and and this, is, this is a wonderful thing that every, everyone can do. From time to time, everyone, like time slips, experiences uh, lucid dreams accidentally. You know, but 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 to actually program your dream is something else. How about your daydreams? Are those related here? Can you program your daydreams? Absolutely. You know, this is like waking meditation. So rather than say, oh, I was just daydreaming. Well, let, let's let's plan to have a daydream and let's actually program where you want to go and when you want to go somewhere. You know, it, it is possible to have a waking meditation and call it uh, a daydream. Well, we are virtually out of time. Briefly, what's your vision for the future? Uh, my vision for the future is that consciousness is evolving on this in, 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 in our society. And it, it's going to get better and better and better. And uh, people are going to grab hold of this and learn to control their thought forms and their consciousness. That's a beautiful thought. You have my alignment and support with that one. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are out of time, Vaughn. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. It's been a real pleasure. Our guest this hour has been Vaughn Brashler. Vaughn is an award-winning journalist, former faculty member at Omega Institute, and the author of several books, including Seven Secrets of Time Travel and his latest, Time Shifts. You can find Vaughn on his Facebook page, Facebook.com V. Brashler. Remember, our entire information-packed past episode collection is available for listen or download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This is Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net, and the Exxon TV channel, www.exxontvchannel.com. Com. Join us next time as this mission continues, bringing resources and support to a mysterious, evolving world. <laughs>